0: You need Indeed. He turns, he fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby, has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five
2: for you
3: Welcome to the King's Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Joining me, Box 40,
2: Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? Oh, I'm quite well, quite well rested, sort of, sort of. Uh, after a night that was eventful, but e- not really. Uneventful, an uneventful, eventful evening. Uh, so I'm here in the fox 40 studios in our stupid sports office and kirsten is the only one working you can see her on the youtube stream she's happy yo and, uh, yeah man things are good how are you guys
3: good all right let's uh welcome in uh zach galifianakis who's between two firms Yeah, man, look at that uh brendan nunez from the king's pulse podcast how are you brendan Good. I mean, when's the last time we started out where I
1: understood a reference from you two old men less than 60 seconds into one of these podcasts? I, I think that this is a great start. Um, I'm glad to be Zach Galifianakis. Galifianakis. Oh, there it is. Galifianakis. It's a tongue twister. Yep. Um, and I will say I'm dog sitting for family. So if you hear puppy noises in the background, toys squeaking, um,
2: that's what's going on. All I right. think what it is is we've just become such a great influence on you that you're starting to get the you're starting to get the jokes you're doing a little, little tiniest yeah. amount of homework and uh hey. pop culture references are finally coming through yeah
1: haven't <laughs> watched life haven't watched a movie since i said that that would be the next movie so wow yeah, you know not a great theory on your part but you, you do it
2: despite
3: us i don't like there, there he does he does I, you know i just uh busted through season two of the bear man that is an intense show and you're watching really it at the joke. draft james I was watching it before the draft, as the build-up <laughs> right. to the draft. I was watching it on my way down. Um, yeah, but I busted through the, the entire season in, I don't know, like, what however long you, it
2: is. What do you mean you watch it on the way down? Are you still watching TV in your car while you drive? Well, I have it on, uh, like, on a a pop
3: socket on my dash, but I'm not really watching. I'm listening, like like that- books on tape.
2: That, that's got to be amazing when if you're stuck in traffic and all of a sudden a love scene comes on that uh, just go ahead and play right there on your dashboard for all the world to see
3: that's what pause is for there we go uh, brendan looks like he's been
2: distracted oh i
1: definitely just watched one of the dogs take a piss on the carpet over there
2: <laughs> hey guess what's in your future <laughs> yeah not great Maybe like an hour
1: and a half from now, I get to clean that up. So That's right. Who's a good
3: boy? Damn it. All right, let's get to the business side. Uh, Number one, (laughs) if you're watching here on YouTube and you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Uh, Subscribe to the channel. We are almost to 3,000 subscribers, so hooray for us. Uh, It's been a fun run here, and we just keep growing and building, and wild stuff's happening. Uh, Go to thekingsbeat.com and uh, become a premium subscriber to get access to all of our Incredible content sent directly to your email inbox. Um, so jump on board with that. Outside of that, it's been a crazy couple of days. Uh Sacramento Kings just uh got through the 2023 NBA draft. They made a trade, they select a couple of players. Uh pretty chaotic, pretty uh slow night with the Kings having uh, the 24th pick as opposed to a lottery pick like they did in the previous, like, 27 drafts. Um, But uh, let's start there. Sean, how was the night different? Because we're used to it being go time in the first, like, 20 minutes of the draft and then waiting for, like, another four hours for a general manager to show up. And this time we had to wait for the draft things to happen and then for the general manager to show up
2: yeah and and waiting for you know things to finalize or get more finalized and as we record this on friday afternoon evening uh we're still waiting for things to finalize even though there are wheels in motion and activities planned already for uh people when they get here but uh yeah still still don't have things completely finalized officially but um, it was different in the sense that certainly you're you're used to seeing a high draft pick, a lottery pick, uh, and this pick is a is a situation that um, is more uh, or similar to what teams expect when they're a contending team, a team that has a great deal of success and the the draft pick isn't that uh, isn't that high. So, um, yeah, that for in that standpoint, it was different. It was also different to see, uh, them not make a pick in, in a way, you know, to move that pick out. Uh, and, and certainly in the days and weeks to come and conversations we'll all have and things that I've heard even already, um, you know, who could have been there to uh, that would have allowed them to maybe hold on to their pick. And, and uh, in the early, early research that, that at least I've done, nobody really, um, it, it appears that would have been in the mix or even taken above them uh, around those picks would have, prevented them from trying to move off this deal because they're going to value that that cap room for them to be able to go out and and get something of substance maybe in the free agent market, maybe in the trade market, maybe in extending as 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 we've talked about with the Sabonis. But um yeah, man, it, it was different. It was a it was a night where I looked at the clock at right around twelve thirty and it was probably one of the earliest drafts that I can remember when I was done very, very early.
1: Very Sean, early. I, I want to ask you real quick, Sean, to follow up on that. Cause I'm sure a lot of listeners are big fans of, of Chris Murray. So is your impression that like, if Chris wasn't taking a pick before this still would have been the same deal?
2: Yeah. That that's at least in the preliminary kind of things that I've, that I've heard around. Um, I don't know that that'll change much in the coming weeks, uh, with, with more people that I'll have the ability to kind of bend the ear of and, um, Throughout the you know the organization, league, um, agencies, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, this is something that seems to be the pathway that that they identified. Um, who knows what other maybe scenarios were being uh, kind of kicked around, or or you know possibilities of, of trades to be made uh, that would could have landed them a, a veteran, but. Um, this, this appears to be a pathway that was certainly on the radar and something that they were looking to accomplish. Uh, especially, I, I don't know if it was the number one option that they wanted to do. Certainly, I think they wanted to be aggressive and, and, and bring, bring some, the, the possibility to bring some players in and those possibilities could still exist. But uh, at least for, this was something that at least was something they were on the audit, at least planning to to do with what was kind of laid in front of them.
3: Yeah, so since, Sean, you hit there, let's just make sure people understand. What the Kings did is a they, uh, they traded the 24th overall pick along with Rashawn Holmes to the Dallas Mavericks. We still don't have anything specific that they brought back in the trade. Um, I, I haven't even dug, uh, but I'm going to guess that it's uh, something like a highly protected future second-round pick or the draft rights to some European prospect that nobody's heard of in the history of the world um that's probably what they're going to get back they're they're realistically from what I can tell they're taking him back with uh, they they sent out Rashawn Holmes and they sent out the the 24th pick with the hopes of getting nothing in return and it's to me it's really it's kind of a, a wild thing to do um but I think it's one of the biggest strokes of genius that I've seen from this front office Um, they basically just sold the 24th pick for 25 million bucks and to me that's absolutely crazy uh Rashawn Holmes um just for Sacramento Kings this is not in general in my opinion was no longer a player for them he was no longer serviceable and they owed him 25 million bucks over the next year so they'll save 12 million in cap space this year they'll save 12.9 million next year and Rashawn will get an opportunity to restart his career somewhere else, whether that's Dallas or if they decide to move him on to another team down the road. Um Brennan, uh, you have this is what your second draft you've covered, right? Um, so draft so, night. Uh like so were on. you shocked? Were you shocked by this whole thing?
1: Um, not
3: too surprised. I mean, I think this was an
1: option that we had um talked about before as a potential way that they could go about this. Um, I I mean, I think that the difference between having, you know, James, you know, these specific numbers better than I, but somewhere in the range of like 20 million compared to 32, 33 is a really big difference that you could be working with in the off season. And um, you know, like for example, Trace Jackson Davis is a guy that we've talked about before and I didn't love the idea of taking a 24. Right. But you had kind of talked me into that if you even get a guy that can play rotational minutes at 24, that that's good value. Um, and I say that to say, if you create $10 million more in cap space, that is probably more valuable than getting a guy that plays, you know, backup minutes a night. Like you could potentially put yourself in a conversation where you are figuring out a way to get an ups- upgrade on Harrison Barnes in a very big position and need, a void you have on your roster. Um, so I think it was a smart way to go about it. And I do still think you got a player that is intriguing when you're talking about Kobe Jones clearly somebody that they liked if you're willing to trade up from 38 to 34 um, to acquire him and I don't know that anybody should expect him to have year one impact the same way that that would be the case with any second round rookie obviously Um, but I think there's intriguing aspects there a lot of people had him late first second round so you get a little bit of the best of both worlds. You get more future flexibility, whether that means a free agent you're going to throw more money at, or that you get to lock some bonus up more long term and bring HB back, whatever way you want to go about using that flexibility, and you still have a guy that a lot of people had in the late first round projection.
3: Yeah, so um, like I use a consensus board from from Brett Huff when I uh, when I go through and I do a lot of my write ups because I think it's a good thing to to pull all of like maybe six to eight to 10 mock drafts and, and wrap them up into one thing and show a consensus board. The consensus board for, uh, for Col- Colby Jones was a 25th pick in the draft. And so I, I think that Kings got first round value at 34. But the really interesting thing about getting first round value at 34 is that the cap hold for the 24th pick in the draft is $2.7 million dollars. There is no cap hold for that second round pick, and he's a minimum scale contract. Typically, uh, maybe you give him a little bit bigger than the 1.1 league minimum, but probably not. And so not only did you wipe out $12 million this season in Rashawn Holmes contract, but you also saved an additional like $1.6 million and freed up a a roster spot from moving from the, the late first round to the early second round. And so to me that's actually another so you got a first round a, a guy who evaluates as a first round pick in Colby Jones you got uh 12 million bucks off the books you got another 1.6 off the books and so these are things that that actually matter to this team if they're hoping to improve and like I could make the argument like the 24th pick we could look at the last 10 drafts there might be five rotational players at the 24th pick over the last five years. So we're talking about a coin flip and the possibility of that pick not even being ready for like one, two, three years before they actually move into the rotation. And so I think it's interesting. Um, but, uh, let's, let's start
2: with like a little bit of, can I say something real quick? Uh, I don't mean to be the sour guy in, in the the chat here, you know, like the, with due respect to, to Brett Hoff, Brett, right. Who, who yeah, yeah. Well, who he doesn't
3: like, do an actual mock. No, himself. no, no,
2: no, no. I know that. But, but my point is, is like to say a guy who projected that high, it's like, well, the reality is he didn't go that high. You know what I mean? No, like, course. so I don't yeah. want people to see that like, oh, yeah, this guy should have been a, a first round pick. No, he shouldn't. He went exactly where he went. Like, that's the reality of the situation. So I don't want people to look at Colby Jones and think that, oh, man, this guy projected so high uh, for something and then have an expectation of him to deliver in that regard it's it's it really kind of short sells him in a way so um you have to take him what he is he is a 34th pick in the nba draft and that's what he is and that's why i become kind of this guy who hates mock drafts because you know mock drafts are nice for for whatever to to just kind of get a, a vision in front of you james you love architecture you're building your your room a lot and and diagrams don't often look like the finished product right so you get something as a presentation or as something to put in your mind's eye and and certainly every team is going to have their draft board the 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 important part of it is the kings did have colby jones um valued higher than the than where he went uh which is why they moved up to get him that's why they moved from uh from 38 38 um, 234 to get him. Uh, And they were pleasantly, I'm sure they were pleasantly surprised to see him there. And I do want to clean up one small thing too, because I've seen a lot of this, uh, obviously the official statement from the Kings coming out, saying that it's part of a larger trade, right? Well, look at that very cleanly. Like, obviously the only thing that's mentioned in there is the 24th pick, which became Olivier Moxens Prosper, right? Mm -hmm. The larger trade doesn't necessarily have to go beyond Rashawn Holmes. So I want people to keep that in mind so that they're not like, oh, they said it's gonna be a larger trade. Yes, you've heard Rashawn Holmes' name reported to that. And there's people like myself who can confirm that yes, he will be part of, of, of a larger mm-hmm. de- of the deal, of a future deal. But when the Kings come out with a official statement say that the 24th pick going to Dallas is part of a larger deal, well, that larger deal would be them the likelihood of them just saying Rashawn Holmes and it may end there. Yeah.
1: But you're saying it may not be Rashawn, or it may be more.
2: No, what I'm saying is they have not officially uh, on the record stated that Rashawn Holmes is part of the deal for several gotcha. different reasons. I mean, this could be a three team trade. This could be a, uh, a trade that there, you know, there are, there are certain hurdles you have to get over before this thing becomes official. And yeah, the trade could evolve. It may not. And even if it doesn't, if it ends up being 24 and Rashawn Holmes to Dallas and it ends there, that there becomes the larger trade. Does that make sense? Because yeah, yeah. Because Rashawn Holmes is reportedly part of that deal, but not officially part of that deal when they said that on draft night, their official stance or the official statement that came out was that 24 is part of a larger deal that is headed towards Dallas.
3: Yeah, and I was trying to clarify too, like in by NBA rule, you're not allowed to trade a bunch of stuff for nothing. So the Kings have to actually get something back. And that doesn't mean they're going to get a player. It could mean that they get a second round pick that's protected uh, like 31 through 57. And so if it lands 58, 59 or 60, they get that as, as uh, part of the deal, or they could get the draft rights to, like I said, some European prospect that somebody drafted eight years ago. Uh, that, like I think Dallas or OKC, they have a prospect that's like a 40-year-old dude. The Kings could actually get that as the value that comes back. And like I'll bring up the Isaiah the Isaiah Thomas trade from years ago um, that really angered everybody in, in Kingsland when they traded um, basically uh isaiah was going to sign with the phoenix suns they knew that and the kings ended up trading um basically isaiah to the phoenix suns for the draft rights of alex oriaki and a trade exception um so like the reason why we bring up though alex oriaki is because the kings actually have to take something back they can't just send rashawn holmes and the 24th pick out and get nothing in return there has to be some and it's not they can't send back a million dollars that's not what it has to actually be a functional item from the nba whether it's draft capital or whether it's the rights to somebody i don't think the kings will in fact take back anything of value except for the fact that it will be one of those things that i'm talking about like a a mystical european prospect that no one even remembered someone drafted 25 years ago something like that right
1: yeah, I, the one other question I would have for you guys, and apologies if one of you have already reported this or somebody else has and I've missed it, but do we know what the second rounder they included was to move up from 38 to 34, right? Like they have Dallas's 2024, this is according to Real GM. Dallas is 2024, Portland's 2025, Dallas is 2028 when it comes to second rounders. Um, but we know, do we
3: know what it took for them to move up from 38 to 34 specifically? No.
1: no
2: I had not seen what number he had. Okay
3: yeah i haven't either um that's it's a good question brennan um it's going to be one of those and and again that could be something that's highly protected um they just the kings can't trade their 2026 or their twenty twenty second, uh 2027 second round picks um because if somehow the kevin herter pick doesn't get sent out in 2024 2025 or 2026 it becomes a 2026 and 27 second round pick uh so as of right now they can't trade those so um, it's probably one of the extra picks, and it won't be a super valuable pick to move up four spots in the second round usually isn't a huge, huge uh like you know, boon for somebody. Um, and and again, like I know people are just oh, you know, the Rashawn Holmes thing is just to jettison Rashawn. And like, look, it's possible Rashawn can resume his career. He had a rough year and a half here, two years in Sacramento. He he's a good guy. I hope that it all works out for him um he's always been respectful of the process he has not caused problems behind the scenes when he's not playing um you know overall i you know it just things went south and he he got the eye laceration and then a second eye laceration that required stitches in his eyeball then he got covid and then he started to be in, in a broiled prolonged uh, custody battle over his son that got really ugly and dragged out into the media um, and then while all of that was happening, the Kings went out and traded for a two time all star 25 year old center who goes on to be an all NBA center and a three time all star. Um, so like everything that could have gone wrong for Rashawn Holmes here in the last two years in Sacramento kind of did, um, whether it's on the court, off the court, or with uh, you know, sort of the outside things that come in uh, when you are a basketball player. So I, I wish him the best. Like, I I've never had anything but like good interactions with him over the last couple of years, and um, and again, I don't think he was a problem at all over the in this last season when he wasn't playing. Um, So, uh, but it does open the door for all kinds of craziness. Um, The Kings did. I I have them. It's anywhere between thirty-three and thirty-five million bucks um, in in usable cap space. Uh, I want to clear up a couple of things because. There are a lot of people out here that don't understand sort of some of the basics of the salary cap that are reporting on this, and that can get pretty frustrating. So the Kings, um, as part of the the deal for Holmes, there's likely going to be what's called a traded player exception, right? And you'll see this uh, out there in the world. Uh, it's called a TPE, right? And uh, if you're trading a player and you're not taking back a player, then it's basically for a salary. So the Kings... In reality, this summer could have a TPE uh, in the amount of twelve million dollars, and they can use that in a variety of different ways. But realistically, uh, it's a it's a um, it's like a coupon that you can go use to go out and trade for a player, that and that player can't make more than the TPE. I think they can be within one hundred thousand dollars, one hundred fifty thousand dollars of the value of the TPE. So the Kings could use that TPE to go out and get an $11,500,000 player and not take anything back in return. And so those things have a lot of value, um, but it is lumped into all of your other exceptions. So the Kings have to decide once again, if they're going to be a team that plays under a certain set of rules where you are a non, uh, where you don't have cap space or a set of rules where you're a room team. And the reason I bring this up is because you don't get to be both. Uh, so either the Kings have thirty-five million dollars in cap space, or they have a twenty-seven point five million dollar Harrison Barnes uh, cap hold, and then Terrence Davis and Alex Lynn and Jamezzy Metu and and Trey Lyles cap holds. And then in this scenario, they would have a mid-level exception for twelve point two million bucks or twelve point four, a uh, biannual exception at $4.6 million. And then the TPE on top of that. So they would have like these three different exceptions that they could go out. One is a full trade. The other two are to sign free agents and the other two, you can also break up into multiple contracts. So they get a little bit crazy. Um, but if you decide you're going to be what's called a, a room team,
1: well and, and just just to be clear that first scenario is you're keeping all the cap holds you're entertaining yes. bringing HB back and and everybody else.
3: Yeah, but even if you say hey we're not going to bring HB back or he signed somewhere else, you still have to add up all of those cap holds and so we're looking at 4.6, 12.4, that puts us at 17, add another 12 million for the TPE that puts you at 29 million. So you go from a team that thinks you're a cap, you know, cap space team to no cap space that, I mean, that eats up 29 of your 33 to 35 million. So if you decide to become just a room team and you're like, we're going to go bonkers and we've got 33 to 35 million bucks, all of those other exceptions are gone. The TPE, which you usually have a year to use from the date of the trade is gone. It's wiped out and it, it gets flushed down the toilet. And so that's where the Kings have to decide what type of team they're going to be going into the off season. And it's really intriguing because I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. Uh, but the cool thing about being a room team is that if you do have the 35, the 33 to 35 million, and you decide that that's just your cap space and you're going to use it that way, and you can go out and sign players on free agency, you can try to bring back Harrison Barnes after you would like do away with his cap hold, um you could work on an extension for for DeMarcus Sabonis whatever it is when you get done using all of your cap space you have what's called a room exception so you get a 7.7 million dollar exception that's for teams that started the free agency window or the new calendar year of the NBA under the mm-hmm. salary cap so and as a room team so i i hope that this is like not totally bonkers and crazy But you can either have all of the trade exceptions, the trade exception, the biannual, the mid-level, all of your cap holds when it comes to players, or you can be a room team, have 33 to 35 million, and the room exception. So not only do you have 33 to 35 million, but you have another almost eight million dollar salary slot that you can go in. Again, it's a it's a it's a exception that can be split amongst multiple players. So you can go out and sign a $4 million player and a $3.7 million player and split that room exception sort of down the middle. You can do a lot of different things. So I hope that that clarifies some of the stuff. I, do you guys have any questions on that? Uh, because I know, like, I like to be thorough when it comes to salary cap stuff. And I hate seeing this. Oh man, the Kings have $35 million and a trade exception. And MLE, it's like no, they don't have like seventy million dollars to spend. They they it's very specific how much they have. They have between like forty and forty two, but you can't add the thirty three to thirty five million to the seven point seven. They're separate. Uh, they're they're different. Um, so do you guys have any questions? I,
2: I feel bad that the listener has to rely on idiots like Brendan and I to have to ask questions to I agree, James, Sean. who knows all these, because it is. <laughs> It's very easy to hear all these numbers, especially if you suck at math like myself, and your eyes just go crossed and and, and you can't figure it out. I think the best way to, in my opinion, just internalize this is say, you've got about $30 million to play with. And guess what? Last night, the Kings became an absolute relevant player in the market. And as James is busy drawing Venn diagrams, I I believe to show the camera, it it, it I, I, they're in a very good, they're in very good standing to do a multitude of of things. Um, and it'll be very, very interesting to see how that plays out for not only this year, but really years to come. And uh, I think more than anything, the the if if you're looking at it and and you're saying, I think like certainly things that they can bring in w- this year will be, obviously, what I think fans will like, okay, great. You've created this room. What do you do with it? Who are you bringing in? But at the end of the day, if it allows you to have Demonis Sabonis, whether he's extended this year uh, or signed at the end of next, and you have him for the next four to five years, Mm -hmm. that above all uh, is the the major, major uh, prize at the end of the day. And I asked that question to, to Monty McNair last night. I you know, how, is this a home run? Like, how do you quantify what you did last night? And he said, at the end of the day, we're going to be judged on winning. And that was absolutely the most brilliant response to have. But at the end of the day, keeping Damanis Sabonis first and foremost, is the ultimate prize that that's out there. Am I wrong, James? It's the ultimate prize. And Monty McNair and
3: his entire press conference pulled a uh, Sir Alex Guinness, and went. These are not the questions I will be answering. Like whatever question we threw at him, he does this he, every presser. He did not hey, answer. This isn't is new, right? One of them. Like he didn't answer a single one.
1: He's just getting better at it, he, which kind of sucks.
3: He is. Uh, yeah, this is one of those ones where you, you know, the like the best thing that came out of the press conference. Monty McNair's wife just had their fourth child nine days ago, and so like his third child was literally born three days before the trade deadline. Uh, this one is born right before the draft. Like these people, if anything, McNair family, figure out when to have children when it's not the busiest time of the year. Um, but says,
2: that says was, the guy, hold on. Says the guy about to leave for Mexico. Oh no. As I know. Free agency yes. is upon us. Like... I'll
3: have my phone. I'll have my laptop. I'll be writing. I'll, I'll be working. <laughs> we'll podcast from Mexico. Uh, actually I'll po- podcast from Mexico. You guys aren't going with me. So, uh, yeah, and so I, I just, I, I did this, it's it's stupid, and it's, uh, so those of you who are watching in the stream. Oh, it's good, I, it's on white paper. I, I built, like, this is basically, you have two buckets. Make yourself you,
1: full screen, James.
3: Um, yeah, I don't know yeah, yeah we can go ahead. away. Maybe you can't, but. Um, okay. So we have two buckets. We have a trade with one bucket. You have the the traded player exception, the TPE, the mid-level exception, the biannual exception, and your cap holds, or you can have 33 to 35 million and a room exception. You have two buckets you can work out of. You cannot mix and match and go back and forth between all of them. Now let's see if I can bring in my friends. Not that way. Oh, there it is. So there it is in
1: a uh, risky attempt to oversimplify Tell me if I'm wrong here, James. You're either taking one big swing on a free agent and then you have your room exception or you're doing a lot of, I don't know if small is the right wording, but say, you know, Sabonis, um, raise and extend, HB, somebody else, and and maybe another piece in there.
3: No, because if you're doing the the room exception, if you're going with the 33 to $35 million in cap space, this is how... If I was Monty McNair, I would do this. This is how I would attack it. First of all, it, you can give Demonis Sabonis max money. And people can say, okay, why does Demonis Sabonis want to hire? Uh, why does he want an extension today? And that's it's a very good question because everyone said, well, if he waits, he can get all this other money. So the way this works is because demonis Sabonis finished all NBA, He's eligible for an extension this summer based off of 30% of the salary cap. If he does not make all NBA, it goes down to 25% of the salary cap. Now, he also can only sign a five-year deal, a, a, a deal that totals five years. So a four-year extension plus the season that we're about to start. If he waits till the end, he can sign a five-year deal. So it put him six years out. But here's the problem. New NBA rule. You, if you don't play 65 games in the season... You are no longer eligible for all NBA plus bam Adebayo bio is all of a sudden becoming a superstar again, and there's possibilities. So my point is that right now, Demata Sabonis can get 30% of the projected number for the first year of his extension. The salary cap will be 144 million bucks, 145 million bucks. 30% of that is basically $42.8 million starting salary, right? If he decides to say, hey, I'm going to go out there and play this season and I should be fine, and he gets hurt and he misses more than 17 games and he's not eligible for all NBA, the highest salary he can get drops to 25% of the salary cap, which means the starting salary drops lower than what it could be. So right now, if the Kings, his, his current salary is $22 million. if they take $8 million bucks and they tack it onto a salary for this season, They give him what's called a raise, of course, and then you can extend him off of that number at 140%. That's a new deal in the CBA that just got passed. It used to be only 120%. Now, here's where the math gets crazy. If we look at an $8 million raise, which puts him at $30 million, the starting salary would be 42 million bucks. Which is sounds a whole lot like his max salary, which is $42.8 million. So, basically, and that's max
1: with all NBA.
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because he can't get the designated player because he was traded during the first four years of his contract, uh, during the first four years of his uh So, he can't get a designated veteran. So, he falls under a window where he can get 30% of the NBA maximum salary. Uh, of the salary cap going into next season because he made all NBA. If not, it would have only been 25%. So, basically what I'm saying is it it really does make sense for Sabonis to lock into a deal right now But what's, the, what's the max
2: and total value of the contract?
3: The max, okay, so if we if we give him a four-year contract extension, it's 42, 45.4, 49 and 52.9 those are basically 8% raises on the starting salary of 42 million totaling 189.3 million now we take that and we add in the 30 million and so he he would basically be on a 5-year contract at 100 and just under 120 million I mean 220 million 220 with 220. The
0: 30
2: million
3: yeah with the 30 million So now versus total
2: valuation of the contract, if he waited,
3: if he waited, it's going to start at 42.8 and it will extend out. But then in the last year of the contract, he would get that 42 point. I mean, the in the last year of his contract, he'd get 50.9 times 0.08 equals he would be he would get a fifty seven point one million dollar fifth year right? So that's what we're kind of talking about. Do you totally. get the fifth year now? So we can add that to the 189.3. And this is if he were to make all NBA next season, right? And that's if he makes all NBA next season, which is a so, big question. Yeah. So we're talking about two hundred forty million right. five-year deal that starts next year, but he only makes 22 million this year. Right. versus a $30 million contract this year that pays him a grand total of $220 million. Now, here's the other thing. He still will be eligible to get paid in that that next year. It just won't be part of this deal. Got me? So yep. the $57.1 million, he's still like two years, three years into his deal, he can come back and renegotiate an extension again and build off of that again.
2: So that extension, um, that extension at two twenty versus two
3: forty six point four, yeah,
1: yeah. And again, this isn't
2: the NFL. This is guaranteed, Buku Bucks.
1: Yeah, and, well, and like, it, it's really not guaranteed that he makes all NBA next year. Correct. You that's, know, the, that's there's the sixty five games, and like I will say, Embiid. I think it was first team this year, right? Yeah, he won MVP. Um, sixty six games this year, sixty eight games prior to that, and before that, he never met sixty five games in his career, you know, and maybe when this threshold is in place, that changes that. Um, but just as much as, you know, that could affect the guys Domas and and below, it also affects Jokic and Embiid more so Embiid there. Um, but I I just say that to say, I, I don't, I think it's far from guaranteed that Domas makes third team.
3: Yeah. So this is how I would put it too. If he takes the deal now with the 30 million bucks and he gets the 220, it basically 219 over um, over five years. It's an average salary of 43.8 million. If he rolls the dice and he he hopes to get that last year added on, the maximum would be 40, an average of 44.8 million dollars over the six years. So we're looking at the difference in 900 thousand dollars, and I'm not sure. Well, 900 thousand times like five so four point five million dollars but nine hundred thousand dollars per year and that's a big gamble to take so in the grand scheme of things but if he doesn't Reese... get
2: the, if he doesn't make the all NBA team okay as an unrestricted free agent and he does that route without making the all NBA team again what does that total out at? So I haven't done all that math. Um but it's right but... around the two twenty, right? Yeah so let's just say so it's like it's it's the same. Only you're making less in your first year, right because your first year you're you're still on your 22 million dollars.
3: Okay, so we're looking at the uh, the salary cap at 144 million times 0. 0.25 the starting salary would drop all the way carry the
2: one carry the one I'm kidding.
3: to 36 million starting salary right So it's not even
2: remotely close. Yeah, so so it's but, different. But the total, the total out at the end of the at the end of the contract is what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I can do the math while you guys discuss. I mean, my um, point is,
2: it, it. My point is, he he. Um, again, part of the the complication here is you can certainly see why the Kings want to do it. You, you you take you they they're going to go all in to try to extend him. The on the player standpoint, it's you have the ability to make quite a bit more money uh, without extending and you control your own destiny. A lot can happen within a year. You control your own destiny, even if you're controlling your own destiny remains in Sacramento. Um, but the landscape of the NBA can change a lot. And even if you have the prospect of, if I can, if, if I'm speaking as Demona Demona Savonis here, if he goes out and says, well, I can shoot for trying to get some of these accolades. And even if I don't, I'm still going to be in the ballpark of what, the extended contract ends in, if that makes sense. So for the, in my opinion, the, the, and I'm just spitballing James, you'll have the number there, but extending the contract at the 220 valuation of the contract at the end of the contract versus the possibility of 246.4, take away possibility of him making all NBA team next season or some of these accolades like an all-star team, how does that compare to the 220? You're in the ballpark. So whether you bet on yourself or you don't, you're still in that ballpark. It's 211.
3: 211. It's 211 is a five and that's a five year deal,
2: so that's nine so, million dollar difference. Yeah, so sacrifice uh, nine million for the possibility of making 26.4 more. Not gonna do it. You, you know who I would,
3: it? who you know, who I'd call to get advice on this one is that Demarcus Cousins?
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're still talking over 200 million dollars. I mean, the guy's gonna be yeah too. yeah so demarcus me... cousins didn't get 200 million dollars
1: well no but i i think that both sides have a lot to like consider here like you know i mean of course sacramento hopes that he meets the 65 game threshold and makes all nba but like that seems like a coin flip to me and if he i don't know him, aren't you technically you're paying him less right
3: yeah so i would say this too if we look at the, the average salary, which is what we did before, which is 44.7 if he if he waits it out and signs a six-year deal, um, and then it was like 44, 43.8, right? Um, if he doesn't make All-NBA and it drops to 25%, the same deal would, over the six-year period, the five-year extension, and this coming season at 22 million bucks. His average salary would drop to thirty-eight point nine million over the six-year deal, versus a potential forty-four point seven if he makes All NBA First Team, or a forty-four point whatever, a forty-three point eight. So it's a gamble. So it's you're a saying big saying if,
2: if you're his agent, Greg Lawrence and Jason Raney you're sitting here saying, "Going to Domas and say these are our options." And if, and strict talking, strictly from the player standpoint, James, what are you advising your client?
3: I would advise him without any question, take the money. You're looking at 200 million, unless you because don't want to play not make all NBA next year, but yeah. he's still
2: looking at 200 million. If he doesn't.
3: Um, well, no, it was 211 million. There's a possibility for him to make 211 million bucks. Yeah, but it's, there's also million. a possibility that he blows out his knee and he doesn't get, or sure. he pops his Achilles or sure. his thumb never heals. I- I'm just saying, it I it no, I mean, off. I'm just, I'm being <laughs> realistic. Like DeMarcus cousins didn't get the deal gets traded to, uh, the Pelicans and pops his Achilles and might have, he was up for a $219 million extension and he came away with, I don't know what, maybe 20 million, a fraction, maybe, maybe 20 million total afterwards.
1: I guess my next question would be like, if you look at it from Sacramento's perspective, um, you know, I'd imagine that you feel like you're in a decent standing to have a good pitch to bring him back, um, but obviously there is risk involved there. Is there an aspect where you think that, from the Kings' perspective in their front office, that like maybe we want to use this whole cap space on a player? We want to spend thirty, thirty plus on a player, and and that's an even more appealing pitch to Domas next year. Correct. Compared to using a portion of that on Domos right now, like that there is some opportunity cost there.
3: No, I I totally agree. And I would also say that there's potential that you could even go to Domos and say, hey, look, how about we don't give you 20 and $8 million raise? How about we give you a five million dollar raise? And and we talk about 170 million over the four-year extension. What if we talk a little bit less money? So we can go out and chase a bigger player in this particular free agent class. Um, either way, I would say that my point would be that if you have Domos and you have $35 million in cap space and you do give him the $8 million, you still have $27 million to spend and you have a $7.7 million uh, room exception. So... You still have avenues to improve. And Brennan, you said, oh, well, what if you signed it like you do the one player or in the other way? No, you have 28 million bucks in cap space. You can give, you know, you can go chase uh, Nas Reed at 13 million. And and now you're down to 15 million. Then you can go back to Harrison Barnes and say, hey, how about 15 million? Okay. If he says yes, then you can go out and uh, bring Sasha Vazankov in for part of your your uh trade exception um and then you can use the other part of that to maybe lure another guy that uh you know three to four million dollar uh player and, and see if that's enough so you there can, are a lot of ways that you can do this.
1: for part of the trade exception or did a you mean part, room? not
3: tar- i meant the the room exception okay gotcha. yeah so gotcha. yeah so I, I mean it's complex right uh but i i think overall i i like we we've gone through this a couple of times. And like mm. I, I've I've heard like a source tells me that there has been conversations. Like oh, this is sure. this is a distinct possibility. Uh the Kings have been pushing. Well, the the sides have met and this is a distinct possibility that the Kings um were, you know, this was part of their offseason that they had hoped to do. Because then you don't have to worry. You go into this season and the focus is on building around Domas and De'Aaron. It's not on whether Domas may or may not be here. And if things go south in the first 30 games of the season and things look rough, but like what happens? Well, this takes care of that. You don't have to worry about that anymore. It's over and done with uh, Keegan Murray, De'Aaron Fox, Demonis Sabonis, Kevin Herter, all under contract long-term. And you just save $12.9 million next summer when you were probably looking at a, a little bit of a choppy summer um, with both Malik Monk and Demontis Sabonis going into free agency, so this wipes that off the board too. Where all of a sudden you have a bunch more money from the the situation with uh, with Rashawn that you can go out and, and try to bring Malik back with uh, with the um, early bird exception, which is going to be probably around thirteen million a year.
2: Where do you fall? both of you on the notion that if you're going to contend in the NBA, particularly in the future with the aprons that we're going to get familiar with, James is probably already there yet with the, with aprons and uh, as it pertains to the cap, but uh, that it's just a reality that if you're going to be a contending team, a competing team, the likelihood of you being a tax team an apron team is very, very high.
3: Yeah. Uh, Brendan, you want to take that? Well, I mean, you have to be it.
1: Like, not you have to be, but ownership has to be willing to do that if you're in contention, right? I mean, like, the question I was going to throw your guys' way, which I think is the same thing Sean is saying, is that, like, are you willing to play, pay Domas that money? And to me, it's an easy yes. I only present it because, you know, there may, may or may not have been one media member that, uh, was on the other side, uh, the other day. But, like, I, I think it's an easy yes. And, and I think that that's just, the reality of if you want to be a team that is competing for conference finals
2: and, and by the way uh i don't know who that media member was but i i know that um i've had several conversations since well i shouldn't say several but i know several people who i've had conversations with not just not a media standpoint um since Demona sabonis has landed here from across the league that say you know they would be dumb to extend him i don't agree with that but there is a segment of people that think and i don't think the playoff series against the warriors uh helped that um be, you know help convince people otherwise in fact there might be that vo- those voices might even be louder now to say that they shouldn't extend DeMar- uh, DeMarcus, demarcus DeMarcus sabonis in the, in that regard and and uh i i am not one of those people
1: no i i mean no what he did not against golden state like they played against his strengths and he didn't have a counter like I
3: understand the skepticisms coming out of that series for sure. I would say this, Brendan, like I understand what you say that, that he didn't have a counter. The Kings didn't have a counter more than he didn't have a counter. If you had a different player at different positions, it could have stepped up and become a problem for the other team. They would have had to make, uh, they would have had to made, make adjustments and some of those adjustments could have allowed Demonis to do different things. If your shooters were hitting their shots, if you didn't have, you know, two guys where you guys go cold and every single game, like the Kings were limited uh, as a whole. And I wouldn't even put it on Demonis Sabonis. Could he have been better in the series? Sure. But he still wasn't bad in the series. He just didn't have the same exact, uh, like, numbers, raw numbers, because like his his teammates didn't hit shots, and and he forced some shots, but he still shot over fifty percent from the field. He was dominant as a rebounder, so like I, I get it, but at the same time, I would make the argument that the the way to get better is not to look for someone who's better than demonis Sabonis, it's to look for someone who's better than the players that are around him that didn't allow him maybe a little bit more help in the series. Yeah. And, so. and
2: also, you know, they're not there. They're not third without Damanis Savonis. I mean, had he, you know, taken the necessary time to to get his thumb fixed, they're not third. They're probably not even a playoff team at that point. Um, so it's it, one series does not um, tell the story of of a, of a person, uh, especially as a contributing athlete. I think a lot of, I think a, to the broader point though, is, you know, there it, it's, it's, in my mind, it's a, it's, it's a slam dunk. It's yes. Demonas Simonis is a max player in this league. He's um, proven that. Um, and he makes everyone around him better. However, there are those that are throughout the league that would say otherwise, and that he is not a max player and uh, it would be a mistake to um, make him one.
3: I, I think there's also those same people, the same, say the same exact thing for De'Aaron Fox. And they have.
2: Yeah, uh, although I will say this, um, them having—I think the situations are vastly different because, again, they drafted Deer and Fox, and they didn't really. I mean, they they had to do it. You know, they they had mm-hmm. to make that that step, and um, particularly, you know, going back to the Sabonis trade. I mean, it's not like they weren't kicking the tires on moving Deer and Fox at that time. So, um, it's just obviously. Tyrese Halliburton had more of the market value, had the lesser contract, was more appealing in that regard. So um, this is a player where I would argue you don't have to extend, Uh, you know, you've extended Fox. I I think you should, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying with, with having De'Aaron, the fact that you drafted him and the fact that ultimately you had to give him that money to fully see it through uh, just the circumstances are a little bit different. I do think you have to, extend uh, Damana Sabonis to pair with De'Aaron Fox solely based on just how well even one season has gone, but really just the way their styles compare with one another, making everyone better uh, and and really having ownership and and management find those right pieces to put around them.
1: No, and I, and I agree with you guys. I only presented it just to sort of uh, talk about the other side, but I think that if you don't have Domas back around after the way that this franchise flipped because of, not only him being there, but he was a major factor in it. Um, that it just kind of would be crazy to move in a different direction. Um, I, I think that like committing the money to him makes a lot of sense. And the number sounds a lot crazier than it did in years prior, but that's kind of the reality of the it. NBA ain't world. our money. It numbers, ain't getting, our money. <laughs> numbers are getting higher. Numbers are getting <laughs> higher. And but I but I will say like if the difference between you getting Kuzma versus not getting Kuzma, just to drop in a player example, right, is whether or not you're willing to extend Domas, I would rather go get Kuzma and then bet that I still am able to extend Domas the year after rather than not get Kuzma because I have the comfortability of like Domas is already locked in long-term. But maybe that's just me.
2: You're, you're no, saying sign as opposed to extend, right? Uh, yeah, like if, if, if,
1: if it if it meant that you were not able to sign the guy you liked in this offseason because you didn't have – if you were to sign Domas to that raise, um, which would then qualify you for the extension that he would entertain, um, if, if that meant that you were no longer eligible for the free agent that you were targeting – I would prioritize going after the free agent and then just trust that, like, you still have a really good pitch to Domas next year. I understand why, like, you know, that's not a great situation to be in. He he might be the best. There's a good chance he's the best free agent on the market. Um, I haven't looked at the teams that have cap space, and, like, you don't want to be in that spot where one of your most vital players has the potential to leave if he wants, but um, if it means you're getting another really good third sort of option. I I would kind of spend the money there and then bet that you still have a good chance next season to re-sign Domas.
3: And I would like my counter to that. I I totally get what you're saying. Um, My counter would be like, first of all, you got to find the right free agent and you bring up Kuzma. um, He wants 30 million. Uh, There isn't, there aren't teams on the market with that kind of money to give to him there might be a team that would give it to him. But if you went to him and pitched a deal at with Domana Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox and Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray all locked up long-term and said, we want to make you part of that core. And we'll start at 25. You can get up to uh, like 107 million over four years, an average salary of 26.7. If you offer him uh, twenty six point nine, sorry, um, yeah, one hundred and seven point five million dollar uh, free agent signing. If if that's exactly what you want to do, if you started with a twenty five million dollar salary, so again, my point would be that you could still do the 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 big deal with Domas, and then come back and try to do something with uh, a player like that where you're giving him close to what he wants, you know. Like we all want to get paid, you know, as much as humanly possible, but sometimes you're only worth what, you know, the, the right. market dictates. And so like, do I think that there are players out there that would play for 25 million bucks? Yeah. I think there are for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if like, we're looking at like the, we can talk about Kuzma or Draymond green. That would be the next guy that the rumors are out there that, Oh, Mike Brown loves him. Um, like I, they're not. I don't think that they're going to risk losing uh, Domana Sabonis on giving Draymond Green a three-year, hundred million dollar deal and not giving Sabonis the extension at the same time.
2: And then, oh, what right. does that mean for Harrison Barnes as well?
3: Well, and Harrison Barnes in that in that way is is out
2: out. Correct. Yeah, I yeah. think there's there's people who who are tantalized by um, these these names that are out there and. Um, just are done with Harrison Barnes if if, for lack of a better way of putting it (laughs) yeah Um, so yeah it's 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 interesting because I I, you know again I still think that there's a a number in mind that the Kings have to bring Harrison Barnes back Um, but part of being aggressive and still um, falling under the maintaining and improving like you know someone's got to go at some point, you know, and you have to, and you're, I think improving is, is maintaining success, but improving is, is part of the uh, building upon that excess success and, and building on the roster and finding those pieces is, is paramount. So um, keeping that in mind when, when you start throwing these names out there that people think, Oh, if you're going to go get a $30 million player, you're basically saying goodbye to Harrison Barnes at that point.
3: Yeah.
1: And there's a lot of wings forwards. We talk about like, kuzma draymond if you want to throw pj washington cameron johnson in this conversation like the teams that have cap space um all suck to be honest and like eventually they'll be fine i think they have promising young cores teams that um i'm really intrigued on their futures rockets are the most standout right that just have the most money in free agency and i think they had a great draft night um but they're gonna take a little while like i I think that the kings being the team that has money and has a path to being a competitive team in the western conference pretty quickly is a decent pitch compared to some of these other teams that have cap space
3: yeah, like I think that the Kings are for the first time in in decades are in a position where they can go out and pitch to a free agent, right? They they really can push and, and try to land somebody. And and again, I don't know if that's uh, like if you had twenty five to twenty eight million bucks, like would Kyle Kuzma make sense, or would a package of Harrison Barnes and and Nas Reed make sense? Um, because you can probably get those things done and, you know, uh, the maintain and improve thing, we're going to beat that thing down because it's something that Monty McNair has thrown out there, maintain and improve. I think we all understand that bringing back the same group of players with some small adjustments, whether, you know, Alex Lynn or Chemezi Metu or, or, uh, you know, Trey Lyles or Terrence Davis are back. Like there's going to be adjustments always, especially on the back end of your roster. But if you came back with the same core, we would expect at least to maintain the team to maintain like the 48 win mark, whether they're the third seed or whether they lose a few more games in that, or if they push up to like 53 wins, we don't know, but it's that's sort of maintaining. I'd also make the argument that between the growth of the potential growth of De'Aaron Fox of Keegan Murray of uh, Kevin Herter of Malik Monk um, that you could actually, improve and then tack on the fact that they're together for another year, that their defensive improvement could actually happen organically by just playing together longer and focusing more on that end of the ball. Uh, and then some, you know, small tweaks. And that might be how you actually get to the improve of the maintain and improve is just by the natural growth of a team, uh, that, that could possibly happen.
2: No, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, agree. No, I mean, I agree. again, I, I think it's just. Sorry, Brendan. I, ju- I just you're think good. when when the maintain and improve is out there, it's like yeah, no shit. Like you're gonna yeah. want to you're gonna want to improve. You're gonna want to sustain. Uh, like that's a no brainer. Um, but you know, having significant piece. Look, GMs lie all the time. Look what just happened in Golden State. You know, Jordan Poole is on another team. <laughs> Oof. The Day before, Mike Dunleavy said they wanted him for the next four years. So um, they lie all the time. Changes, the things, the landscapes change daily. So um, just keep that in mind. Like that's nope. why I always bristle when someone says, "Oh, this person—they're not trading him." Sure, they will. There's, there are always possibilities that exist that can move a guy. So money actually hates
1: Kobe Jones. Is the conclusion right. here right? Correct. be clear. Um, okay,
3: go ahead. Go ahead, Red.
1: I, I was just going to ask the last thing on like this this cap space. Um, I don't know if you guys have used this terminology, but I used to joke that like there was a Sacramento tax. Right, You had to pay a little extra to bring somebody in. Do you think that with the success they had last year that that doesn't exist anymore?
2: No, it exists. It definitely yeah. exists. It's is just out, it being not, a small market team. Well, and you're playing in California. So the way it works is right. when you play in California, you get taxed for playing in California, and California is high. If you're going to live in California, you want to live in a – place that's a lot busier and, and, you know, livelier than maybe Sacramento who tends to be a sleepier town. So those are definitely factored into the equation. And if you're playing the bulk of your games of of your career in Sacramento, in California, uh, there's definitely a tax that comes to that compared to playing in a place like Arizona, Texas, or Florida.
3: Yeah. And uh, Brendan, I would respond this way in this particular off season. I think there were, coming into draft night, there were seven teams with cap space and OKC gave up a bunch of theirs. I'm not sure where they're at after the Davis Bertons trade, but if I were to look at the teams that are around and you take away geographic location and you just say, who would you want to play for? Every free agent would be crazy if they didn't say Sacramento over Houston, Orlando, who else has cap space? San Antonio. Utah, San Antonio. Utah, San Detroit. Ant-
2: Can I throw another little thing out there? Not that you would want a player like this, but they also will factor this in. If they're looking at, well, wow, I could go play for someone like um, Mike Brown, who practices every day and runs you into the ground a little bit, much like a Greg Popovich to a degree. Uh, and Eric Spolstra, they have the, you have the Miami way, you have these... These very like if anyone looks at that, it's it's it, you kind of want to stay away from players like that. But if they're looking at it as, oh, I'd kind of like to go play for a maybe a more free flowing system, a more laid back kind of thing where the where a lot of the veterans tend to run the, the you know the the asylum, if you will. Um, but if someone looks at a coach and goes, I don't really want to play for a player coach that's that detailed, that structure that's going to command that much, because to me, that's a losing mentality. So you'd want to avoid those players anyway. But certainly it's it factors into the equation when these guys are making decisions. Hmm.
3: Okay, uh, let's do uh, real quickly. Let's do the business of basketball. Uh, We're getting down to uh, like we just cleared the draft. It's uh, Friday the 23rd Um, NBA free agency officially starts now. I mean, you can't sign players, but like we'll know agreements in seven days next next Friday on the 30th um uh Brian Windhorse made the claim that uh that Draymond Green is the perfect fit for the Sacramento Kings um and that this sure does look like the Kings have cleared a bunch of space to go get Draymond um and and to compete with the Golden State Warriors and try to pry him away uh I don't know, like, first of all, I, I can't imagine a starting lineup with three guys who are sub subpar three point shooters um, in Fox Sabonis and Draymond Green. I love Draymond Green's defensive prowess. I love his personality on the court where he's pushing buttons. And I think the Kings need that type of guy. Um, I, I love the fact that he's uh, like the, the quarterback for the defense, and I think he could help improve the defense overall. But I don't see him as a perfect fit, and I also look at him as a 33-year-old player who statistically has declined in multiple seasons. I don't know if he's the same defender he was before. Um, Where are you guys at with this conversation? Like, would you, if you're the Sacramento Kings, go out there and chase Draymond Green uh, over the next, you know, starting next Friday when free agency officially kicks off?
1: Draymond is not shot above uh 31 in eight years in the league um and he has only done it in his second year third year fourth year um he's not a guy that shoots well from three that's not news to anybody um but i think it goes back to when a lot of people look at the denver parallel and try to you know draw lines of well how can sacramento follow that blueprint And it's just very different when Denver's two best players, their two stars, their two-man game, can shoot from three. They're not good defenders, but they can really shoot the ball. So when you're going and looking at complementary defenders, if they can't shoot amazingly, if they're more of like low 30s, like we're talking about with Draymond or an Aaron Gordon or a Bruce Brown, like it's easier to do that from their standpoint. And I really strongly believe the don't focus so hard on cleaning up your weaknesses that you lose out on your strengths. Like The worst thing that you can do is no longer have an identity and a strength in this league. And I think that you could get so caught up in cleaning up your defense that you lose that. Um, I think Draymond fits your scheme. I think he fits your play style outside of the shooting. Um, It's very dependent on how much he wants but at least from what I would expect for him to be paid, which to me is in the range of you know Harrison Barnes' money, like if we're talking about Draymond as a guy that like is playing a little bit next to Demondis Bonas, but primarily like your backup five, I love the idea. I just don't think that is the role that we're talking about, or the money that we're talking about for that sort of role. So I love the idea of Draymond. I just think for what he would cost in the sort of role that in my mind he would expect, um, it doesn't, I, I get it. Um, I think there was a time Coach Brown earlier this year talked about, you know, we're, we're getting to the bench and maybe we're not having a great game and, and nobody's saying anything to each other. We're all just kind of sitting there. Like Draymond, Marcus Smart, those are the type of guys that are going to go up there to their teammates and say, hey, we got we to gotta pick it up right now. Um, so I get the value in Draymond, but I think for what in my mind he would cost that it, it just doesn't work with De'Aaron and Domas, but maybe I'm wrong about what that cost would be.
2: I'm a little torn on it, uh, personally because I do much like Brian Winhorst, think he is the perfect complement to this team. He's exactly what this team needs, but you take the dollar figure off of that. When you say that, like, um, at thirty million dollars, knowing how your roster is constructed, and, and Brendan, I lean a little uh, your way on this, which is, um, I think, as currently constructed, you're 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 built to where he is sort of perfectly the right player uh, for this roster. He's the there's a difference of being he's the he's the perfect player you need, and he fits the roster as the the in the perfect way. I think in order to have him, you need an upgrade in in your wing position, in your small forward. And if if you have Keegan Murray and and Kevin Herder sharing those responsibilities, it's it's really not enough. Like if you had someone like a Siakam, for example, at your three, okay. And this is a pipe dream, of course, because you're talking about really expensive pieces all throughout your roster that tend to look like the Warriors at that point and the money that they're spending. Um, but if you had, like, a really solid, solid three and, and you know, someone who is capable of taking some off the dribble, certainly we've talked about what Keegan Murray's next steps are. He, to me, he's not quite there yet. But if they feel that he can be that player eventually, then, then yeah, certainly you do it. I don't know that I agree that he is that player uh, or will be that player. I think he, sp- he fits a specific need on the team, Keegan Murray I'm talking about, uh, that is already kind of what you get from Keegan Murray. Um, I don't know that he has the quickness to be a three. I think he is more of a stretch four in, in my opinion. So we'll see how that all develops. but man, if I'm the Kings, I'm looking hard at it. I really am guys. I, I would I would absolutely look at look at it hard. I would make the warriors sweat. I don't know ultimately that I would pull off the move. Um, but I will say this as a as a me- member of the media who covers this team, I want it to happen selfishly because it makes my job entirely more interesting. So from the selfish standpoint of me sitting here today wanting to know if Draymond Green will be a king, kind of rooting for it uh, from the standpoint of my own benefit.
1: I think culturally he'd be amazing. I just hesitate on uh, opportunity cost.
2: And can I say too, I agree with you, Brendan, because I think there's a lot of Kings fans out there that, oh, I don't like, I don't like Draymond Green. I don't like he, I don't like the theatrics. I don't like all these things. I think Mike Brown has a strong enough group around him. I think this front office is, is is strong enough that they can, they can, I told James, I've told you on this podcast several times, they can handle a little bit of crazy on this team. Um, And I think that it's, it's the right type of voice. Like, Draymond Green theatrics and all that kind of stuff. He, you talk about, you look at Steve Kerr, like they, they are Draymond Green. Like he, the, the, the players may have gotten exhausted from it from all these years of, 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 of what it entails, but it would invigorate. It would be the right move for this team right now in what he could bring to this, to this organization and identity. Um, I think the stuff that, Oh, what happened with him and Sabonis, Yeah, it might be a little bit of a sell there. Uh, I don't think Demonis Sabonis would be like, uh, you know, there might be a moment where you sit him down and, you know, the past is the past. I mean, you become a teammate. This guy's on your side now. He's fighting for you. He's doing exactly the same type of shit to other players uh, that he just did to you. Um, I don't think it's going to be a hard sell for Damanis Sabonis. I think once your competition is one way, Uh, he didn't shake his hand famously at the end of that series. Uh, you have plenty of off-season left to, to kind of build that chemistry, if you will. But, um, man, on yeah, on paper, he's exactly what they need.
3: How much would you guys spend on him? What's the max? Because you know we just opted out of a one-year $27.5 million right. deal.
1: Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, 20 over three years? like. Oh, no, he's getting more than that. You mean 60? 360? 60, yeah. You're
2: paying him yeah. 20 a year? Nah.
1: No, nah. I I mean I I agree that I think that
2: he like turning that down would be looking for more. But you might be able to front load something, especially with the way this cap room is, and maybe you can front load something that kind of de escalates as the years go on. Um Like maybe make him a thirty five million dollar player, <laughs> which in the first year, and then how much? I don't. I'm just I'm throwing things out there right now. Just yeah. to, you know... To see to 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 get it to where he feels like he's got his due, but at the end of the day, it's a you know an eighty million dollar contract. The, the, the prospect of Draymond Green getting a hundred million dollars from the Kings, I don't see it, um, and I, I I wouldn't do it. But um, there's I I'd, I'd explore every avenue.
0: Hmm.
1: So so say that like. To me, Kuzma is the other standout big fish, right? There's, there's others. Say Jeremy Grant, PJ Washington, Cam Johnson, and those uh, latter two being restricted free agents. But say that like Kuzma goes somewhere else, you know? Like, at what point does? Because, because I think that we all agreed that trading 24 to give you this cap flexibility is a smart move, but what do you have to do for this still to be a good move? You know, is, is there an yeah. aspect or a angle where Kuzma goes somewhere else and it's like, well, damn, we traded 24 for this flexibility. So now we have to do something with it.
2: The the, the part that, the part that I gives me pause is, uh, is a lot of the, uh, certainly what the Kings need and defense is pretty high on that list. Um, a lot of those players mentioned, uh, with the exception of a few, but like Kuzma, we'll use him for example, not really known for defense. Right. So, and, and I'm of the, of the opinion, you don't necessarily need to go shopping for defense. Like oftentimes you can find players that fit that type of role um, rotationally, but make no mistake. If you're going after someone like Kyle Kuzma, you're, that's not just a rotation. That, that's part of your identity. That's part of your, your, that's a upwards of $30 million a year type of player. But that is uh, a type of piece that you, that you seek and go after, uh, regardless of whether he plays defense or not. I don't know that that's the type of move I make, but uh, you've heard me, I've said forever, a, a, a solid, solid three is what I think this team needs, uh, who is kind of an alpha in, in a way, a scoring, a scoring wing. A th- if you can get three and D fantastic, but, um, you don't necessarily have to go and spend $30 million to find defense.
3: Hmm. Okay. Um, So I'm going to I'm going to put this out there then Uh, if I mean, the other option that you guys didn't bring up is Dylan Brooks. Um, But but then also a lot cheaper, a a lot cheaper. So um, what if you had to make the decision? You've got you've got Draymond, you've got Kuzma, you've got Dylan Brooks and each of these guys are going to be different. But we'll just say that the top two are going to cost you twenty five million a year. And and take away most of your cap space and leave you with enough money to do your stuff with uh with Demontis and, and then your seven point seven million dollar mid uh I mean uh, room exception and so you're probably going to be able to bring in you know Sasha Vazhenkov and maybe one other player and then you'd have a little bit you can do league minimum stuff and you might be able to get uh, Trey Lyles back um, but uh, so that would be your two top guys as far as financially or Do you look at Dylan Brooks or, and, and then I would even make like another tier. Do you look at the Dylan Brooks, Nas Reed, Harrison Barnes tier, which I think is going to be a step lower, even if, you know, I think Harrison wants a little bit more than that or his, his people want a little bit more than that. Um, I would still think that you're, you're trying to push for a deal with whoever it is at the 15, $16 million range. Um, and then you would still have enough money to go do something else. Uh, so, what kind of path would you guys take right here if you're the Kings? The big swing with uh, the scorer in Kuzma, the big sque- uh, swing with the defender and like personality that is Draymond, or something more modest uh, that, that might be able to help you build something uh, in a different way
2: i think it just depends i mean it it it'd be nice to be able to kind of say this is the way to do it but you know if if you're saying for example kuzma well then no i'm probably out on that just because i don't think that that um, i don't think it would be worth tying up all that money for somebody like that um i think there's some other possibilities that could exist particularly in the trade market um but there are guys that they're willing to swing for the fences for. I think Draymond Green kind of fits that, but I think it requires a discussion. I think it requires some nuance and trying to figure out different pathways to, to make that happen. And, and hopefully it isn't a, uh, there's also something to be said to really stick it to the Warriors because they'd absolutely want him back. So, um, and, and keeping him from another Western conference team. I mean, if it's not the Warriors, it's, possibility of the Lakers, possibility of Portland. I mean, there's there's, these hanging out with Damian Lillard a lot lately. So uh, there there are some keeping away from your opponents you've seen in the West, kind of everyone trying to make these moves to get where the Kings are and get their teams to compete with the likes of Denver for a championship. Um, th- it just depends on who it is. And, you know, like a Jeremy Grant, for example, I think is going to be an expensive commodity. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't touch him. I, I've said so as much on this on this podcast, I don't think that's the type of move you make. Um, but, Brendan, you might disagree.
1: Hmm. Him or Kuzma, Sean?
2: I'd take Kuzma over Jeremy Grant. Okay. Jeremy I, I think Grant same. Does, does not rebound. He does not. Uh, I, think, I think Kuzma can, can do a little bit more.
1: Is, there, is the rebounding thing not overblown?
2: No, is, I don't is think it not it's
1: One player that kicked your ass that is an amazing rebounder, but you had the guy that led the league in rebounding. And right. then you have other okay rebounders on the team. I get that. Like, why do you need to have a four that is a good rebounder rather than just an okay rebounder when you have maybe the best rebounder in the whole league at
2: your center? Like, no, I get you, but it, to me, it's all about versatility. And also, Jeremy Grant hasn't played on a good team, like at all. Right. So yeah, he's
3: never put up numbers on a on a right good
2: team. At yeah, all. I'm not. And, uh, he's just not a guy that that to me I would bring in at all no. I mean it's it's overpaid for for scoring you can find scoring you're already yeah. scoring is not a problem on the Sacramento Kings right guys so I, I what, what are 100%. your intangibles what else do you bring to the table you can't Mike Brown says it all the time his expectation is that you is that you score for guys like Fox and Sabonis and if they sign Jeremy Grant guess what that's already the expectation what else do you do and he would not be a type of player that in my in my opinion that Mike Brown would sit there and and love
1: and I agree. I, I more so brought up the rebounding thing as its own separate tangent rather than uh, specifically attached to Jeremy Grant. I don't know that like Grant or Kuzma necessarily the answer, but I do think that like having a third guy in my mind is the way to go rather than, you know, up keeping Keegan as your third, let's say, or, or Herter as your third and then upgrading your four, five, six marginally. Right. Um, in my mind, you need a third. Because if, if you want to look at the Denver comparison, which, again, I roll my eyes at, but I understand why that happens. Um, Jamal Murray and Jokic are better than Domas and Diary. Um, yeah. There's just no two ways about it. So like you need a better third guy than what they had because their complementary pieces can be on a lower level when their primary two are better.
3: Yeah, I would say their number one is better than your number one. Your number, uh, like right, like their center is better than your center. But yep. I, I would take Fox over Murray without any question.
1: I I think the same, but I think it's easier to build around Murray and Jokic than it is. Well, and Jokic, but
0: hmm. Murray
1: shooting the ball. Like both Murray and De'Aaron, their primary um, impact is on the offensive end. And I think that the fact that Murray shoots the ball from deep makes it easier to bring on defensive complementary pieces than like, you know, Davion, as as much as like, I like to sit and say that like, well, Davion needs to be able to shoot the three ball to play alongside De'Aaron, Davion could play alongside Jamal Murray because Jamal Murray could shoot. You know, like I, there's a reason that it's Davion needs to learn to play alongside De'Aaron rather than vice versa but if De'Aaron could shoot the ball then we wouldn't need to necessarily have the conversation about Davion in my mind
3: yeah I mean it's an interesting discussion because they have a bunch of the guys that you actually need like the three and d guys and the fact that the kings have gone out and got you know the three guys but they aren't the three and d guys like that's it's just like a different way that they built their team the Kings need to find some of those guys for sure. Like, but uh, the fact that like Denver just keeps coming up with more of them um, that's big and the Kings need to figure that one out. Like they need the long athletic defender, like, uh, like we've talked about in the past.
2: So looking at at that Draymond stuff again, too, it's like, I know people say, well, you, you can't shoot. It's like, okay, gotcha. The other, the only other negatives you're going to talk about is you're older, and you you have a little bit of a wild card syndrome, right? Because you could pop off, you might in, you might impact a team negatively in the chemistry department. Although I would argue probably not. But everything the, else he brings is intangibles is that you need. But three of your five closing guys can't well shooters here's the th- but to that point like you're you're looking at the closing guys as currently constructed right um you don't always have to close that way you know you you need people like well Domos makes, and domas are part of it right right doma yeah domas makes everyone better draymond makes everyone better they both distribute they both you have three playmakers at that at that
3: point which oh no is- I, I that's the one thing I, I i really like about draymond he can really right. run an offense and he knows mike brown's offense i mean he knows he knows how to well i mean they've he know, understands what they're doing um yeah I, I i dig a lot of what draymond brings to the table if he was three years younger um you know and can shoot the three you know i, I would be a lot more intrigued by if he was, by the situation.
2: If, if he could shoot the three he'd probably be the highest paid player in all of the league
3: uh, he'd be a he'd be a very well paid, that's for sure. Uh, and, and I would say this: I still think OG Ananobi is the better fit out of all these guys. Agreed. Like you, you find is a way to because of the age. Yeah, because of the age, because he is a three and D guy, because he's an elite defender. You know, he does he does everything
2: you need. I I, I want to believe that. I don't know that at the end of the day, you'll be looking at him and saying he's he's your you know like an all star. Well. He'd be Aaron Gordon be, level player, uh, yeah, maybe, no, maybe really higher. Good. I yeah, I don't know it's that
1: as a complementary piece to De'Aaron and Domas specifically, right. like guys Correct. that are not three point shooters.
3: Yeah, but I would also I would like to see what Keegan Murray looks like defensively alongside OG Ananobi and what and what Abonis looks like alongside him. I think like, I think
2: him defensively makes a lot of guys look better. That's what I'm saying.
3: Yeah. 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 And I I, I mean, it's the same way that Draymond Green has found a way to make uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and some of the other guys that, you know, Jordan Pools of the world look better defensively. Like, and they've, they've used aging players who have lost a step and Draymond has been able to help them stay, you know, really, really close to, uh, you know, to competitive for a championship level uh so yeah i don't know it's it's a uh, good food for thought um and, and i also i, I don't want to disrespect uh, harrison barnes and what he's done and what he's meant because to be honest with you he's still probably a top five option uh for the kings with all this cap space and all that stuff yeah um, and
2: and to that point like i don't want to lose sight of that like he's still uh it's still very possible and almost you almost bet on it that he he could be back i mean there's there's, there's every likelihood that he could still be a Sacramento King.
3: Yeah. I just want it for the right money. So you can take one more big hack because again, I, I don't know how much he's going to cost, but a guy like Nas Reed uh, and you, you, know, I, I just think like a guy like Nas Reed could really, really help this team and really tie things up. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's some other guys out there that I like as well. Um, but he's a guy that I think would make a lot of sense, especially if you're bringing in Sasha. Um, and we have no idea that, that all of this will be, uh, like figured out in the coming days. Um, all right. So, uh, do we have any final thoughts? Uh, Brennan, what do you got for us? Um,
1: I don't have much. I'm excited for summer league to be right around the corner be interesting to see who else is on the squad I'd imagine that we have um, and this is just totally guessing uh, Keon Ellis Colby Jones Jalen Slosson, and then I have zero clue from there um, but I think it's gonna be exciting you know that there's people saying that maybe Wemby's gonna play maybe we get Wemby versus Brandon oh. Miller at Golden One Center which would be a great time um, but we're not far from getting to see some of these guys. So <laughs> they, for that.
2: they also scheduled the same matchup for Vegas to open Vegas. Oh, uh, nice. Did, really Did you notice that? So yeah. So yeah. It's crazy. Meaning okay. like
1: we're going to prioritize the Vegas showing. Right.
2: I mean, you will have a Probably. lot of people there. You'll have the whole right. league there. Um, right. Nationally televised. Although I think the games here are televised as well. I can't remember.
3: I'm pretty um, sure. Yeah. They'll be on. I think they'll be on NBA TV. Okay. Before we, we check out and before I even hit Sean up with final thoughts, we didn't really even talk about Jalen's, uh, Slauson or Colby Lewis. I mean, Colby, Colby, Colby Jones. Jones, Colby Jones. Uh, do you guys have any quick thoughts? Like Brendan, you've been watching a lot of film. Um, I, you know, again, we talked about where Colby could have been a, a, you know, first round pick, uh, that discussion, but Um, Average 15 points, uh, 5.7 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.3 steals. He shot 37.8% from threes, 21 years old. Uh, I like Xavier guys. They're tough. They're physical. My player comps for him. um, I had him, like he reminded me after watching a bunch of film of Chris Duarte and Derek White. Um, What do you got?
2: Uh, I had some conversations about him. I actually will have an interview with, I was supposed to do it today. I kind of got pushed off a little bit, but by the next time we reconvene, I will have have an interview with Sean Miller, his uh, head coach at Xavier, and um, it should be interesting to talk to him about uh, a number of things that that are all things, Colby Jones and just some of the things that he does. um, uh, Looks like shooting. You know, playmaking, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to like. Um that um uh, rebounding, especially Jay Billis. I mean
1: Wow, we got a frozen Cunningham.
3: We got a frozen Sean. Wow. What, what? happened? Wow. What is what is the 13- third? wait, you're back vocally, but we haven't oh, there oh. he is, he's back. Hey, I'm back. I don't know where I ended. What did I end?
1: Frozen Cunningham. What are we um
3: mean? Yeah, you were saying uh, a good shooter, um yeah,
2: rebounder too. I mean that that yeah, yeah, Jay yeah. Billis comparison of Josh Hart, I think made everyone's ears kind of perk up a bit. Um yeah, I mean it'll be fun to see, you know. I I just kind of that's all well and good what they did at the college level. It doesn't mean it translates to the NBA. Let's see the NBA, see what summer league is like, It'd be fun to get around him. Um I know, you know, when when Monty McNair said he had him as one of the top two-way players in the draft, thats uh, that means something. So I think uh, this Kings organization certainly has had a type of player that they go after um, so far, as, as, as really as this group is, you know, if you fast forward, if he's lucky enough to be a general manager eight years down the line and the team looks a little bit different, it'll be funny to see how he drafts differently. But certainly for this group, they t- keep drafting uh, a lot of the same type of of player or at least go in it with a, with a mindset of, of um, type of player they look for. So uh, checking off boxes, if it looks like he does that, um, he's fun. I, I mean, not seen a lot of, I haven't seen a lot on Slauson. That's the one guy I didn't really see much on, um, but just started watching a lot of stuff and having conversations about uh, Colby Jones and everything I've heard has been pretty solid. I don't, James, you might know, um, hadn't seen many of the things that are negative or, Seem to be negative or need to be worked upon. I think it's just a not a huge um, belief that, that that maybe his game translates to the NBA is maybe the, the the lone thing I've seen. Yeah, Brennan, what do you got?
1: Yeah, I think that Derek White, like Josh Hart, are are decent comps. I, I think of like Dante Divincenzo or you know higher end outcomes, maybe like Kentavious Caldwell Pope sort of thing like a, a guy that does a little bit of everything in my mind right um the three-point shooting is definitely a big question mark in, in talking about kobe jones here 43 from three last year on catching shoots but you go sophomore year 32 freshman year 34.34 um there's definitely concern when it comes to three-point shot but like there's a really good floater there's really good finishing at the rim which when i asked monty like you know why do you believe that the three-point shot is real that you saw in the junior year compared to years prior he pointed towards the touch at the rim which i think typically um does kind of work out for some players there's definitely good touch there. there's a little bit of playmaking there's good rebounding i think that's where the josh hart parallel comes in a little bit and defensively a guy that you could see playing one to three you know like six four and a half without shoes ideally he plays with shoes and is more of a I six six think guy with uh, a like, this. six eight wigs band i haven't um, seen that yet
3: yeah, not so a maybe, huge, not a huge wingspan guy, but
1: yeah, six
3: eight's okay. I, I think you're talking
1: about one to three, and in my mind, like if he can fit a Terrence Davis role, um, which when I looked at, I think Terrence Davis played 64 games last year, 800 some minutes, which was a lot more than what I expected when I looked at the number. Yeah. Um, but but if he can be your fifth guard, which again is on the higher outcome for a guy that you're talking about at pick 34. But if he can be that, and when you're talking about Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, Malik Bunk being your other guards there, all of those guys play one side of the floor. Some of them have other aspects where they maybe can contribute a little bit, but Kobe Jones is the guy to me there that like maybe can do a little bit of both. Um, and, and you got to figure out, find out if, if he's going to work in the NBA. There's a lot of question marks there. Um, But I think him doing a little bit of everything is optimistic for him being a complimentary player alongside D'Aaron and Domas. But obviously, expectations need to be um, tapered a little bit with a guy that we're talking about at 34.
3: Yeah. And just a rundown really quick on Jalen Slauson um, out of what Furman. Uh, He measured in six, six and a half without shoes at the at the combine. So realistically, really close to a six foot eight player. He's also 220. So. Uh, he's one of those grown ass man, um, six, 11 and three quarter inch wingspan. So basically six, eight with a seven foot wingspan, 15.6 point 7.1 rebounds, 3.2 assist a block and a half and a steal and a half, uh, shot 39.4% from three. He also chose the van Wilder route and went to college for 14 years. Uh, he's 23 years old. Um, but They're he doctors, yeah, they, they are called doctors. He uh, he uh, played five years at the college level, and that's with the new um, COVID rules and stuff like that where you can get an extra year of eligibility. Um, anything quick on him, Brennan? Because I, I haven't done a lot of studying on him. Uh,
1: not really. I mean, I think the thing that stands out to me is, like, weak side rim protection. The Kings don't have that anywhere on their roster. And Slauson is a guy that pretend, uh, potentially provides that. I think there's decent vertical athleticism, but like moving in space, it, it, it's almost like um, Alex Len-ish when it comes to athleticism me. Like in a straight line, he moves really well, but moving his hips, like I, I just don't there, – there's a lot of question marks there when I think it comes to the athleticism. The balance is promising. Um, he was a little bit of a playmaker guy that had the ball in his hands and, and pass into others during his time at Furman, um, but, but super raw. And I will just add, I mean, you, you mentioned at the top James, like I think there's a, it's going to, I'm going to have to be proven out of the idea um, that Trey
3: Jackson Davis should have been the guy here. I will say. Yeah. Stunned. Um, But we did see that that was slightly choreographed by his people. That's what it seems like afterwards that the, uh, the golden state warriors um, had him in mind and his agent had the warriors in mind. And they worked to get him there and so he um refused like in conversations leading up to i guess this is the way it went through the 30s he said he would not sign a two-way um he was looking for a roster spot and uh and the warriors at whatever they are were willing to do that
1: my final comment on that will be if if that's the case you should not be allowed to tweet during the draft that everybody's going to regret it. If you're te- if you're well, practically true. discouraging teams, stop it.
3: Like, come on. All right. Do we have any final th- thoughts from Sean? We covered the draft, guys.
2: What a big series. Giants are in with the Diamondbacks that gets underway tonight. Giants kind of flirting with first place after winning 10 straight. like that. Uh, they're not really basketball takes. How about UFC tomorrow? i got two... Sacramento fighters uh, headlining a card. Josh Emmett kind of get back on her track after losing the interim belt, uh, going up against Ilya Topuria. Um, be kind of fun to see if he makes his way back. And then Macy, the future barber. She's a fun fighter, man. She's on a four fight win streak. She's going to fight Amanda Hibas in the co-main event. So it's just kind of cool to see two people who, you know, Macy's from Colorado, but she's moved here. Said it's the best decision she's ever made to come to Sacramento and train here, um, and she's kind of, you know, one of those up and comers in the women's flyweight division. So uh, kind of see it kind of cool to see if uh, either one of them can close out UFC Jacksonville and get closer to another title to get closer to a title shot for them. All right. Um,
3: I am going to Mexico five o'clock in the morning. I'm leaving. I, I expect uh- a souvenir uh yep but we're talking shot glasses well uh,
1: i i heard that on thirteen twenty we were gonna get a sombrero ham i don't want that
2: i don't want we, that. we no, might I get sombrero ham i get might wear a a a sombrero we from mexico hell? i don't want james beaten up in mexico he doesn't need I to wear what you want sean <laughs> i need it what are you talking about
3: <laughs> no I, I will try to find a quiet spot and, and podcast I, I probably it'll be a working vacation for me when do you get back uh next saturday but Saturday to Saturday. So, um, oh, God. yeah, yeah, that brutal. Like, there's nothing. It was someone else's, like, a friend's family vacation decided to invite us. They had already planned it. This is when they're going. And I'm like, all right. Normally, I say no. This is the first time I said, you know what? I like my boys are getting older. I need to go on vacations and spend time with I'll them go like with this. You to Mexico. Oh, you're no. going to go? What's no, that? No, no, no. I, I was talking about me. No, oh. he's not one of my boys. No, Sean. No, no, no. He's not. <laughs> um so yeah we'll have you covered for uh, all kinds of stuff with free agency and everything else uh, my cell phone will work in mexico and will be on uh nonstop. so uh thanks for joining us here if you're still watching give us a thumbs up i'm not sure uh, subscribe to the channel um, go to the kingsbeat.com uh, become a premium subscriber to get access to everything and to help us finance uh, everything that we do here at the, the Kings Beat so for Fox 40 Sean Cunningham and Brenda Nunes from the Kings Pulse Podcast I am James Hamm, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat see you next week